Well, it's time for This Is My Story, a show with Trinity Chapel Church and our friend, Reverend Charlene Lover, this morning. How are you? I am very good. Good morning to you. Good morning. So you came in this morning and you were saying uh, that we are going to continue the Easter story because there's a lot more to talk about. And in fact, you actually use the word sequel. Correct. Yeah. And if without these sequels, you'll never fully understand the depth and breadth of what Resurrection Sunday has done for us through the cross, his death, and his resurrection and ascension. So I am excited to keep sharing these sequels until everyone can tell the story, the whole story of Easter. The whole story. I love it. Let's get started. Let's do this. Good Friday morning, City of Du Bois and surrounding communities. I am Charlene Laver, pastor of Trinity Chapel Du Bois, inviting you to journey along with me with a message on my Lord and my God. My only request is that you would agree to allow your hearts to be enlarged, challenged, transformed, by the renewing of your mind. O oh Lord, let us make our declaration as believers. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. If you recall, our last podcast was titled, It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. And as promised, Sunday came. Resurrection Sunday, to be exact, we offered you, our listeners, to examine your heart and to identify where you positioned yourself in the midst of the story. The story of Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. Oh, I pray, like Mary Magdalene, you too can say to the world around you, I have seen the Lord. Today, we will continue the sequel to the resurrection story. Let us take a moment to refresh our memory or perhaps stir up the events that have taken place since the resurrection of Jesus. I can almost hear someone saying, really? How long can someone keep a story going? My answer as long as it takes for Jesus to gather his scattered sheep for the work of the kingdom of God and to fulfill the great commission. Matthew 28:16. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. John twenty nineteen through 31 tells us on the evening of the first Easter Sunday, the disciples were locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews. They were filled with fear, doubt, and dread over their past, their present, and their future. 
Yes, the disciples were scared for their very lives, but it was in the midst of their fear and doubt that Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. Peace for Peter, who denied the Lord. Peace for Peter, James, and John, who slept in Jesus' moment of need in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peace for the ten disciples who fled from the cross. Jesus gave them the proof of God's peace by showing them his hands and his side, the marks and proof of the crucifixion. This is the man who was wounded for their transgressions and bruised for their iniquities. The disciples' mourning turned into joy as the reality of Jesus' resurrection gradually dawned upon them. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus, by his death and resurrection, bequeaths to each of us his Easter gifts, gifts that are not temporal but eternal, his forgiveness of our sins, his peace that passes all understanding, and his gift of joy of knowing that we are buried with him in baptism and raised with Christ to new life. Is it no wonder our hearts leap when we cry out, Christ is risen, the Lord is risen indeed. A second time, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Hearing all this, you might say, all appears to be in order for the lively proclamation of the gospel to spread from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. The end. Oh, but wait. There's more. There's so much more. There is still something missing. Or to be more precise, someone is missing. Jesus' first appearance in the upper room revealed that one of his disciples was not present. Having departed to the Valley of Unbelief, Thomas was not among them. As the disciples share with Thomas the good news, Thomas will not believe the eyewitness testimony of the apostles and cries out in unbelief, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will not believe. From these remarks, of course, doubting Thomas becomes a common phrase which is used among believers and unbelievers alike. Thomas wants proof. In his mind, Jesus was dead. In his unwillingness to open his heart in faith, 
he missed out on all the joy that the risen Messiah offered. However, eight days later, a similar episode took place. Only this time, Thomas made it to church. Again, the doors were locked, but it really didn't matter. Jesus used the powers of the Godhead a little more freely after his resurrection from the dead. So he passed through the doors and said, Peace be with you. As God, he was well aware of Thomas's doubts. So he spoke directly and personally, saying, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. In the original language of the New Testament, John 20, 19 through 31, Jesus' words are nearly identical to Thomas' words. Every objection has been answered in the flesh, and all doubt must flee in the presence of the risen Christ. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And how did Thomas respond? My Lord and my God. Thomas was standing in the presence of the resurrected, living Jesus. He had been dead, but now he is alive. What was he to do? Thomas responded to Jesus with what many have considered to be the climax of the gospel of John. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Thomas the doubter is now Thomas the witness. For the first time in the Bible, Jesus is called God. He had been called Lord, Teacher, Son of David, and even the Son of God. But now, one who had doubted gave the greatest witness of all. He proclaimed, My Lord and my God. This scripture passage certainly speaks of one whose story begins with doubt and is then called to faith. But I feel we fail to see something even more wonderful than a teachable moment about doubting. We come into a greater revelation. Jesus was taking opportunity to speak aloud in the midst of doubt, a prophetic word. Jesus was speaking a rhema word, a spoken word over every generation. Jesus was pronouncing a blessing over you and me as believers by saying, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We will not need to see with our natural eyes, but with the gift of faith. We will know that we know, that we know that he is risen, that he is here, and that Christ will 
come again. Faith is defined as belief with strong conviction, firm belief in something for which there may be no tangible proof, complete trust, confidence, reliance, or devotion. Faith is the opposite of doubt. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, as spoken in King James Version. Perhaps no other component of the Christian life is more important than faith. We cannot purchase it, sell it, or even give it to our friends. So what is faith? And what role does faith play in the Christian life? The dictionary defines faith as belief in, devotion to, or trust in somebody or something, especially without logical proof. It is also defined faith as belief in devotion to God. The Bible has more to say about faith and how important it is. In fact, it is so important that without faith, we have no place with God, and it is impossible to please Him. Hebrews 11.6 According to the Bible, faith is belief in the one true God without actually seeing Him. Someone once wrote, Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Amen. Alleluia. You might say, oh, then this is the end. Wait for it. What? Wait for it. Are we still not finished yet? Not really. What an injustice to Thomas if we end here. This story is not to disgrace Thomas and to be remembered as a doubter, but rather, this story is about Jesus. It's all about him. Thomas gets far too much attention and negative attention at that, and I, for one, will not allow this to be so. So let's backtrack and allow for the rest of the story to reveal the Apostle Thomas remembering him with honor and a thankful heart for his ministry and in his death that we may know the gospel message by his example. Let's go to the first time that we meet Thomas. The first time we meet Thomas is in John chapter 11. In this episode, word came to Jesus that his friend Lazarus was very sick. Out of desperation, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, hoping he would come and heal their brother. The sisters reminded Jesus of how much he loved Lazarus. 
Instead of dropping everything and going to him, Jesus continued his ministry. Then a few days later, clear out of left field, Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus was dead and that he was returning to Judea to see him. When the disciples heard this, they became visibly upset. They are troubled, not because Lazarus was dead. Instead, they remind Jesus in no uncertain terms, Lord, don't you remember the last time you were in Judea? The Jews tried to kill you. They wanted to stone you. If you go back, they may very well succeed. The disciples tried to stop him, fearing for his life. And we might add, maybe even their own. It was precisely at that moment that we meet Thomas for the first time. Fully realizing the danger of returning to Judea, Thomas spoke up and said to the other disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. The New Living Translation expresses it this way, Let's go, too, and die with Jesus. What a statement. What an affirmation of faith. It was clearly an expression of love for Jesus. In essence, he was saying, if the people take up stones and kill Jesus, let us die with him. If he is cast into prison, let us go to prison also. These are powerful words, words that should cause us to remember something that Jesus said on another occasion. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. We see that Thomas loved Jesus so much that he was willing to die right alongside of him. Thomas did, in fact, die a martyr's death. He was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips to establish a church there. The second time we see Thomas is on the night of the Last Supper. It was the night when Jesus broke bread and blessed the cup and gave it to his disciples in remembrance of him. This was to be a long, terrible night with moments of pain and anguish, eventually leading to the cross. Being just hours before his death, Jesus longed to share some special insights with his disciples. We find these beautiful words recorded in the 14th chapter of John. By now you will recognize them. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there may you be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. It was at this moment we hear from Thomas. He breaks into the conversation not to be rude, but to ask a question. He asks, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? This tells us a great deal about Thomas. 
One popular television ad says, Inquiring minds want to know. Well, Thomas was not only a risk taker, he was Thomas the Inquirer. He was not a man who considered himself to have all the answers. Instead, he was an individual who wanted to know more. He wanted to understand what Jesus was talking about. We need more Christians who are longing to know more about Jesus and his word. Far too many of us are satisfied with knowing Jesus on a superficial level. This wasn't good enough for Thomas. He wanted to know more and more and more. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to know Jesus more and more? Let us desire a burning in our hearts and minds to know more about Jesus. And most of all, regardless of our moments of doubt, let us witness to the fact that Jesus is our Lord and our God. Are you prepared to make a declaration in your faith journey? If so, then let this be your heart cry. I decree today. I am stepping across the line. I'm tired of waffling, and I'm finished with wavering. I've made my choice. The verdict is in, and my decision is irrevocable. I'm going God's way. There's no turning back now. I will live the rest of my life serving God's purposes with God's people on God's planet for the glory of God. I will use my life to celebrate his presence, cultivate his character, participate in his family, demonstrate his love, and communicate his word. Since my past has been forgiven and I have a purpose for living and a home awaiting in heaven, I refuse to waste any more time or energy on shallow living, petty thinking, trivial talking, thoughtless doing, useless regretting, hurtful resenting, or faithless worrying. Instead, I will magnify God, grow to maturity, serve in ministry, and fulfill my mission in the membership of his family. Because this life is preparation for the next, I will value ownership over wealth, we over me, character over comfort, service over status, and people over possessions, position, and pleasures. I know what matters most, and I'll give it all I've got. I'll do the best I can with what I have for Jesus Christ today. I won't be captivated by culture, manipulated by critics, motivated by praise, frustrated by problems, debilitated by temptation, or intimidated by the devil. I'll keep running my race with my eyes on the goal, not the sidelines or those running by me. When time gets tough and I get tired, I won't back up, back off, back down, back out, or backslide. I'll just keep moving forward by God's grace. I'm spirit-led, purpose-driven, and mission-focused, so I cannot be bought. I will not be compromised, and I shall not quit until I finish the race. I am a trophy of God's amazing grace, so I will be gracious to everyone, grateful for every day, and generous with everything that God entrusts me to. 
To my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, I'm ready. Anytime, anywhere, any way, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to be used by you in such a way that on that final day, I'll hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful one. Come on in and let the eternal party begin.